okay? So five weeks from today is Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter. Even those who don't grasp the full value and obedience of honoring the Sabbath throughout the year still pay homage to the, to the two events that changed everything. So let's make sure that everyone we know is aware of this importance and knows that they have an opportunity to celebrate uh, in a place of worship such as ours. Okay. In Matthew 28, 16-20, we read where Jesus gave the disciple the Great Commission. He said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. So all this starts with a choice. A choice to tell someone about the hope you have, about your relationship with your Heavenly Father, about your church, about your Savior, Jesus Christ, to share a part of your story with someone. You know, it's estimated that the average amount of remotely conscious decisions an adult makes every day is about 35,000. 35,000, that's an incredible number. A lot of quick, small decisions between this or that. So I titled this week's message, This, Not That, because we're going to talk about some of the opportunities we have to make decisions that make a difference. It doesn't seem to be as popular a trend these days, but did anybody else have a lot of posters on the bedroom wall growing up? Do you remember that? You still do? Maybe it's more popular than I thought. I may not be trendy. Okay, I just assume no one did this anymore. Um, but I do see some heads nodding. So what did, what did you have? What kind of bands or teen idols or cars or jets? Teen idols. Teen idols. Let's hear who it is. I just so I want to embarrass you. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Donny Osmond. Donny Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> is it still there? Did I see some other hands? Anything else? Bee Gees. Bee Gees, okay, okay. Sequoia? I have a koala on my wall. A koala? Okay, that's classy. Anything else? Becky, I see you nodding. <laughs> What'd you have? Don't say black light, folks. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, okay. Well, my brother had a poster that was very popular at the time, but not very popular with my mother, Farrah Fawcett. Anybody have the <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about, except Sequoia, I'm sorry. You'll be fine. So as I was preparing this message, I recalled a particular poster that I had on my wall. It wasn't that one. It was a poster that had several exotic cars on it. If I remember, it was in front of like this ridiculously large mansion, and the garage doors were open, and there was like a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and a Porsche and I don't know what else. And at the bottom of this poster, it simply said, life is full of difficult choices. Right? As if someday I would have this horrible struggle of picking which exotic car, which magnificent vehicle that I was going to drive that day. Well, church, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you in suspense. It's a Chevy Impala. <laughs> uh, because my other option was walking, and that was an easy choice. So if I were to find a post that's a little more realistic, perhaps it would look something like this. This is the choices we make now, right? What kind of fishing pole? None of them work. I've tried them all. All they do is feed the fish. They don't retrieve them. Go ahead and flip back. But we're lived to bless... We are blessed to live in a, a country that is free, a country that allows us to make choices within the limits of the law. And actually, we can even make choices that aren't within the limits of the law, but there are consequences, just like with God. 
But being able to make decisions for ourselves feels good. And it's because God created us with free will. He did. He gave us the ability to make decisions so that we could live and thrive in this glorious world that he created for us. For example, perhaps some of your decisions today will be to slow down, enjoy beauty and the nature that surrounds us. I know you like walking to the garden, Heather. You know, you choose to do that because you enjoy it and you sing your hymn, right? Having this kind of freedom, it also adds value and credibility when we make a choice because we had another option and we chose to do this. So when we make the decision to return God's love and faithfulness, you know, that adds value and credibility to that because we can say, God, of all the things we can do, we choose you. We love you back. We have the ability to choose and, we, and we've decided to follow Jesus. We have the ability to choose and we decide to give due credit to God for the blessings he has given to us. We have the ability to choose and we spend this time on Sunday morning honoring and worshiping God. But since that time when God created us, man has a full history of making bad choices, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And I know the blame for that initial decision to disobey God and eat from the tree of knowledge can be pointed, uh, it's a point of contention between genders. Uh, so let me tell you what my grandfather had to share on the topic. This is not biblical. I'm going to edit it out of the tape later, okay? But uh, Adam was tending the garden and just enjoying the blessings of, of life. And, and um, he noticed that he was a little lonely. And he said, God, I, I, I love that you're here, but I could really use some companionship. And, and he said, but I've invented and created for you animals of all kinds and plants and all that. And he said, what, what more do you want? And he goes, I want someone I could interact with and talk to and would talk back, but not disrespectfully. They would always honor and respect me and be beautiful and, and think I'm just it and, and just listen to everything I say and never correct me. And Adam says, that's great. And God says, well, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam says, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. That was a joke. <laughs> it's not found in the Bible. Please don't tell anyone you heard that joke here. <laughs> there are things called pastor stories that are absolutely not true, but God looks the other way because I can make a point. That was not a good one. The other one is, this is a trick I learned, that if you wander away from the podium and you forget what you say, what you're going to say, you just walk back slowly and repeat the last thing. You just walk back slowly and repeat the last thing. And then you can look at your notes again. <laughs> Seminary 101. But I know you're glad you knew that was a joke, and that wasn't found in the Bible, and, and if, don't repeat it at home, guys, because uh, I don't have room on my couch. <laughs> but every chance to make a choice is an opportunity to make a good decision, and God wants us to make good decisions. Galatians 5 has some excellent scripture on freedom. And verse 13 in particular reminds us, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Another translation says it this way. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do just whatever you want. And as our scripture member reads, this is from Philippians 4.8, you recall. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Another translation tells us to dwell on these things, to focus and fill our lives with these things that are pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. This is because we tend to fixate on things, and these fixations, even though they may be subconscious, they drive our lives, and they affect our thoughts and the worlds and actions. And Romans talks about don't be you know, pulled into the view of the world. Transform your, your view by a renewing of your mind. Think of things with an eternity perspective, God's perspective, okay? So fixate on those things, these lovely, pure, admirable things, and the things in the world will be that much better for you, and your perspective will be that much better. And not only are we to focus on these things, but they replace, they take the place of things that are contrary. And you may remember a story we talked about, gosh, it's probably been a year and a half ago now, but you know, I said, whatever you do, don't think about a pink elephant with large ears. Okay? Even if it has purple polka dots and a big bow, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Okay? And if I said that, no matter how many times I say, don't think about that pink elephant, you can't help but think about it. But if I were to say, you know what sounds good for lunch? How about that corned beef and cabbage? And I saw some awesome brownies back there that I did not make. You know, And think about how good that's going to be and smell and, and the brownies. It's going to be fantastic. And you don't think about that elephant until just now when I said it again. And trying to make a change in your life is very much like that. If you say, I want to stop doing this, or I want to start doing this, and you get so fixated on, I don't want to, whatever, um, whatever it may be. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. All you're doing is focusing on the problem. You need to replace it. And we're talking about that a little bit this morning. The concept of Lent and giving something up is not necessarily to give something up, but to replace it with something better. Okay, so if you're trying to give up whatever may be sweets or or saying an inappropriate word or stupid jokes in church, you've replaced it with something better. But in all seriousness, God knows that we don't always make decisions that honor him. Second Peter three nine tells us the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, because we get impatient, right? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And he is patient with us, just like a good father would be, a good father should be. He doesn't want us to mess up. So when we do, he waits patiently for us to do what's right. During last week's message, I described one of these things that makes Christianity different. It's that while other religions focus on seeking God, we know that God is actually seeking us. He waits patiently for us to turn to him and love him back, accepting his son as our savior. And then he smiles like any good father and says, good job, I'm proud of you, you made the right choice. And these decisions aren't just for or about ourselves. Galatians 6.10 says, so while we have opportunity, that means while we have a chance and a choice, while we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people. You know, Jesus taught this concept countless times But let's look at one in particular, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is from Luke 10, 25 through 37, from the NIV. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is the question we all want the answer to, right? And Jesus says, Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We know this, right? And Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. 
but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expense you may have. And Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert on the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And I love this. As Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And I love that he taught this lesson. Then he gave a call to action. Once he answered the question and then confirmed that the person understood it, because really what good is a message if you don't understand it? He said, Jesus asked him the question back. He said, yes, you get it. You get what's important here. And he says, go and do likewise. Remember, scripture is very clear that faith without works is dead. We're called to take action. And this is a decision that we must each make with each opportunity. I learned this. I experienced this. I believe this deep in my soul. But now what am I going to do with that? Now the book of Proverbs, it's an interesting read. I like to think of little kernels of wisdom, maybe even a fortune cookie scripture of God, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say that. But they're short, and there's usually this little piece of wisdom in a sentence or two. So let's take a few uh, of these on this topic. From Proverbs 2.11, Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And this one's a good reminder to seek God's wisdom when you make choices of all kinds. Ask yourself, what does the Bible say? And then ask God through prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Open an opportunity, or, or sometimes this is hard to say, Close off that opportunity. I really think I want this job, or I really want this, whatever it is, but take that choice away from me if it's not what I need to be doing. And, and we should be doing this with major purchases and jobs and life decisions, not just you know what we're doing for breakfast, but say, what does the Bible say about what I should be doing with my time and my money and my efforts? And pray, pray to God and ask him and tell him. And sometimes that's a hard prayer. We talked about these risky prayers um, that are that you say, God, I really want this opportunity. I want this job. I want whatever it may be. Please make that happen. But what you really want is God's will to happen. God, you know in six months this is not going to be something that I need to be in the middle of. So give me an opportunity that's very clear and let me pursue that. You know, when we act impulsively and without checking our conscience or the facts, we're likely to make bad choices too. Proverbs 18.3, he who gives an answer before he hears is folly into a shame, right? Look before you leap kind of thing. Proverbs 18.17, the first to plead his case seems right, dot, 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 until another comes and examines it. See, our first thought isn't always right. Our gut instinct, it should be, but it doesn't always work the way. It's, it's about what drives us, and that's why Jesus says, fill your lives and your minds with things that are good and pure and holy and all that. 
So your first instinct is based on something deeper than what I want or what I wish for. And as we train ourselves to focus on these pure and admirable things, we work closer to making these, you know, we work our ways closer to making good initial decisions. But the first thing to come to our minds isn't always the best. You know, Satan loves to use his tendency to discourage us. Now, I've got a, a couple good friends that we meet with regularly, and, and one of them, I, I'll leave his name out because I do hope he'll come visit sometime, but one of them, honestly, he struggles with lust. And he says that, and he'll be very honest. He says, listen, when it gets warm and the ladies go jogging down the street in front of his house, it's, a, it's tough for him. And he just beats himself up and beats himself up. And he knows you're not supposed to lust after anything, a person or a property or anything like that. But we say, you know what? Shame on the first thought, but let's capture that second thought. Let's capture that second thought. So if our initial decision, if our initial thought isn't right and pure and admirable, instead of beating yourself up, Capture your second thought and make that one that is pure and admirable and right, whatever that may be you're thinking about. But another danger is we become increasingly, um, this has become increasingly prevalent in this age of instant gratification, is this notion of fear of missing out. And we talked about that this morning as well. We're so plugged into things. We have the internet and we've got uh, Facebook and cell phones. I mean, uh, it's funny because I remember one of, uh, one of my kids was talking about um, they were trying to get a hold of somebody and they couldn't get a hold of it. And they should just, if they don't call back in two minutes, it's just rude. And I said, boy, when I was your age, <laughs> you called the home phone. There wasn't always even an answering machine. There wasn't really call waiting. And, um, you know, if you got a busy signal, you try to get in later. If no one answered, you just try to get in later. I mean, you just, you might go a while without hearing from somebody just because they weren't reachable. And we're so about instant gratification and knowing things, which is fantastic. You can Google about anything and, and find whatever you want to whatever you want to learn something about instead of having to research it, it going to the library and things like that. But we've developed this thing, this fear of missing out. If I unplug myself, even for a little bit, if I turn my cell phone off for two hours so I don't disturb anyone in the movie, like who knows what's going on? And I'm not talking about big news. I'm talking about what so-and-so is eating for lunch. I mean, this is big deal stuff that we're missing out on. <laughs> but thanks to this age of instant notification, a bad decision can destroy your reputation faster than ever in history. And this isn't speaking of, um, of the damage done to your soul as well. The news is filled with seemingly upright people that made a bad choice that resulted in the ending of their career, their marriage, their credibility. You know, a couple, um, I guess it was two months ago, we talked about um, um, before church, about the, the homeless man who helped win the Chiefs players during, um, you know, when the weather was bad, helped him out. And everybody heard about this guy who didn't have a house and gave him money and gave him money. And it was all wonderful. It was a great feel-good story. And one news channel dug a little deeper and found out the guy had been arrested and made a series of bad choices. Now, was he a bad guy that had made a good choice to help somebody? Or was he a good guy that had made some bad choices and gotten into some trouble? It's not ours to say. But that got out and that absolutely ruined the feel-good story about that, the way that he had done something good. Um, and it was, it was really a shame. But this isn't a new problem either. All the way back in Proverbs again, 10.9, He who talks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. See, character reveals itself. I'm dealing with this at work right now. I've, I'm working with someone and they're watching someone else who's, yeah, not making great work choices. There's some question of ethics and, and legal stuff, but, you know, and 
and they're, they're kind of trying to watch this guy. And, you know, I said, don't, before you just write someone off, just see what's going on there. Kind of see what's going on. Are we making a bad choice? Are we a bad character? Because if it's a character issue, you can change your behavior. You can't always change your character, right? It's easier to talk nicer and it'll be a little more positive. But the character change, that is deep change stuff. And we've talked about this before. In order to make a real deep soul change, you got to involve God in your life to make a change. Um, so running late for work is, is a behavior change. Not caring about, um, you know, being a good steward of the blessing of a job and stuff. That's, that's a little more character revealing. But this is far less important than the salvation of our soul. But you can see the principles at work here. And it does matter the company you keep. Galatians 6, 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I'm going to stop there. You should restore them. We're supposed to call each other to be accountable, to step up and say, you know that's not the right way. And it says, in a spirit of gentleness. Remember, the Bible is a tool, it's a resource, it's not a weapon. Not against man anyway. And it says, keep watching yourself though, lest you be tempted. Have you ever noticed if you're around someone that's negative, it's a little easier for them to drag you down than it is for you to pick them up? Have you ever noticed if you're trying to do the right thing, but you're around someone making bad choices, it's easier for that line to get a little bit fuzzy than it is for you to straighten them out? You have to be careful about the company you keep. And I'm not saying we should only associate with ourselves or people that are perfect because there aren't any. But I'm just saying be aware of that. And at some point, you know, know what your limit is and your triggers. But I think that there are some very practical things that we can replace. You know, I talked about not just stopping this, but replacing do this and not that. So when you feel anger, practice forgiveness. You know, God is not glorified by ugly words or actions. When you're feeling like you need to get even, replace it with forgiveness. Only God is the absolute judge who acts according to what is truly right and fair. When you're worried, replace it with hope. Trust in the Lord that he's got a great plan for you. And your unanswered prayer may result in one that you didn't even know you're asking. But God has a greater plan for you, a higher level plan. And some of these ups and downs that are going on at this level here, God's still working his good in him. If you're so focused on the moment, and this is really if you get a lot of anxiety or fear, focus on eternity. You know, uh, think of it as a 40-year plan. I kind of joke this about this. I'm like, you, sometimes you get in a broken relationship or you get in a broken uh, work environment or something like that. And you're like, these things are temporary, okay? I'm going to look back in a year and go, gosh, that year that my daughter and I bickered so much was awful but it was only one year I love her for eternity God loves me for an eternity look at it that way focus on the eternity if you feel like you have to control everything replace that with giving it to God don't just stop trying to control it but give it to God let the only one who should control things do it you'd be surprised at what a great job he does if you try to control everything if you try to know everything if you try to know everything Replace it with seeking wisdom. And wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is knowing God's view on things. And this comes from the Bible. And sometimes you have to acknowledge that there's some things that just aren't yours to know. Why did this happen? Why did so-and-so do this? Why are these horrible things happening? 
you may never know. And sometimes you have to let go of that and say, God, this may not even be your will, but I know it's nothing I can control. So I ask you to control it. And this is a lot like getting even. If you feel like you have to teach a lesson, maybe try to learn a lesson from the situation. Seek wisdom for yourself and pray for that wisdom for others. If you're feeling jealousy, replace it with joy. Be content with what you have and be excited for something that someone else has. If you battle with legacy, legacy, laziness, if you battle with laziness, replace it with stewardship. Stewardship is taking what God has given you and doing something positive and meaningful with it. So use the skills and energy and health and resources God has blessed you with to do something. Okay? And there's all kinds of ways to do that. If you're not physically able like you, you were in the past or as much as someone else's, there are ways to do things, with, and that's good stewardship. If you have a trouble with grudge, work on grace and forgiveness. If you have trouble with being a little braggadocious, and that's just a fun word to say, replace it with humility. We were only made righteous through Jesus Christ. None of us are self-righteous. I can't make you righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. We were made through righteous through Jesus. But guess what? He did. And that's what it should be based off. But he made it all of us this way. If you're struggling with brokenness, and this is a tough one because it hurts, focus on healing. Ask God to make you whole in whatever way that is. If you're struggling with lust, replace it with appreciation. My friend, what he does, and he says this half-jokingly, but he focuses his mind. He says, God did a nice work on that one. And she runs by. That's <laughs> 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 it works. <laughs> um, if you're struggling with greed, replace it with contentment with what you have. If you're struggling with pride, humility, and cynicism, replace it with trust. And if can't, trust can't be placed with a man or situation, place it with God because that's where it belongs. So we all make bad choices. We make lots of choices. We make some bad ones. Some are relatively insignificant. Some become salvation issues. Big deal, big deal problems with our relationship with God. But thank God, literally thank God for his grace. The grace that comes from the cross. The cross that we're going to celebrate every Sunday, but in particular here in just five weeks. You know, a few months ago I gave a get-out-of-jail-free card. I showed up on the screen for Monopoly and we talked about you know, having a do-over and how we benefit from a do-over. But let's look at this from that kingdom perspective. We have been given a do-over. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross made this entire life that you lead, he made it a do-over. All the sins you're doing and have done and will do, they're paid for, okay? Stop. Just stop. But I know that's not easy for all of us. It's not easy for any of us. Just stop. You've got a do-over. It's not that it's okay to sin, but you won't be condemned when you make poor choices from time to time. If you return to the cross and look at Christ and say, I am sorry, help me to make a better choice. But let's, as Paul's letter to the Galatians said, not use us to do whatever we want. Let's choose to do this good thing and not do that. Let's pray. Father God, life truly is full of choices. Some are easy, some are difficult. And we make so many during the day. Some trivial, and some can be life-changing. God, I pray for everyone here, everyone who hears this message, 
that you give them a measure of your wisdom that they can hold up the things that they're considering against what we know to be good and true and right and admirable and lovely. God, help us to draw on you to make great choices, choices that honor you. God, we know nothing pleases you more, just like any father, to see us make good choices. And you smile proudly and you say, well done, daughter of mine. Well done, son of mine. And we want nothing more than to have a close relationship with you. So God, as we continue to prepare our hearts for Easter, as we look to the cross and all that leads up to it, help us to ever be mindful of the grace and the gift that covers these sins. God, help us to exercise our freedom to make choices, choices that honor you, that turn others towards you as well. Let us lead a life of example and let us put our faith into action. God, as always, I lift up this entire service to you. May the words of this message be encouraging to those who hear it. God, may this place remain warm and inviting and welcoming to all that come. And may we work extra hard the next couple weeks to lead people to you for Easter so they can connect with you and you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can take it from there and work magic that only you can work. We thank you for the opportunities you can present to us and help us to have the strength and courage and wisdom to see them and take action. Amen.